0: God is good, all, all the time. time, all the time, God is good, amen, amen, yes, amen God, amen. I remember when I was in uh, a kid going to King Sesson swimming pool and, uh, in the summertime, and we always knew that we couldn't bring our best shoes when we would go to the swimming pool, we always made sure we didn't have our brand new shoes when we go there because more often than not, if you had brand new sneakers, then it would be stolen when you were going swimming mm. and you'd be walking barefoot. I remember I had a, um, a friend of my, my dad's, his son was uh, coming from Ethiopia. He was new and we explained to him, you have to, you have to make sure that you don't have your best sneakers when you're going to the swimming pool because someone might take it. Sure enough, he didn't want to listen, so someone took his sneakers. (laughs) And he had to walk barefoot all the way home. I bring up the story to say, you know, when we listen to the gospel, we see that there was this animosity between Jews and Samaritans. They didn't look at each other as brothers and sisters in the faith. There was this disconnect. They felt like the Samaritans were just stealing a part of the faith. Yep. They didn't really worship God in Jerusalem. They didn't have the priesthood. They were integrated with the Assyrians. The Assyrians were, you know, a different nation that intermarried with Jews. And so then you have the Samaritans. So there was this great animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. So when our Lord is sitting down talking to a Samaritan woman, it's like a shock for her and for the apostles. They said, why would you talk to the enemy? You know, why would you talk to someone that we don't socialize with? Hmm. You know, we see that even in our society today. We see, you know, the war in Israel between, you know, um, the Palestine and Israelites. We see this war, this hatred that two nations have for each other. It's so sad that we see that, that war breaking out, also in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine, we see that hatred is still going out even to this day between two different nations, right? And so many people are suffering because of that. Only if there was peace between these different nations. Yeah. And so Jesus is like an ambassador. He's talking to what the Jews consider an enemy, a Samaritan. And he doesn't care about the bad blood that they have with each other. He wants to make peace. And so he sits down with her and he values her as a potential disciple of becoming a daughter of God. He's not afraid to talk to her. He's not afraid to have this conversation with her. He doesn't hold human respect as a fear that's going to paralyze him from making this conversation having this interest in her and so our Lord begins with a simple truth he's he's thirsty said, so give me something to drink right he begins with something that she understands and she sees now this woman she is hiding because by her coming during the day at noon all the women would come to the well early in the morning before the sun would rise because it's hot. Nobody wants to go out in the heat of the sun at noon to fetch water. So she's coming at noon because she doesn't want to be judged or you know, harassed by other women because she's not living a life of chastity. She has several husbands. So she's trying to hide from other women. And that's why she's there at noon. Did Jesus just ask her a basic question? He sees her as, you know, someone who can have a conversation with him and he has interest to help her to grow in faith, right? Jesus thirsts, he thirsts for her faith. He desires her. Our Lord desires her to be one with him. He wants to quench her thirst. Give her peace in her soul. Our Lord wants to give her that which is water, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit to well up within our soul. So he wants to give to her, but he's asking her to give to him. Right? By just that simple question. And she's kind of confused. She's like, wait a minute, time out. Why are you even talking to me? He's like, it's okay. You know, I'm going to talk to you, and I'm interested in you. And He has that conversation where she finally opens up her heart. She's like, okay, and we talk about faith. We talk about the Messiah. He's going to come. And he's the one who's going to be able to explain everything to us. And he draws her to confess her sin. He's willing to confess her sin. And Jesus is not looking down at her or condemning her. He opens his sacred heart to her to embrace her and say, okay, you're speaking the truth. That's humility. She has humility. She's willing to acknowledge the truth. You know, there was a a man who was working for Wall Street. He was a big time broker. He was a big time trader. And he made all this money. And so he was interested in this woman that he met at a party. And he got her number, and he bought her like most expensive dress And he bought all these expensive things. And he was able to woo her and get her interested in him. And eventually, after years of dating, they got married. After he was working for several years, the broker was broke. He had no more money. He was not successful in his trading. And he owed all his clients all this money. And thousands and thousands of money. He was rock bottom. He's sitting in his car, he said, what am I gonna do? He didn't want to go back to his wife and tell his wife, I'm broke. I don't have any money. Because they had this big house, brand new car. He was afraid that she was gonna leave. him, Because they started, you know, with wealth and now he's broke. And she wasn't working, she was a stay-at-home mom. And so, um, so he thought to himself, what am I gonna do? So. He came out with a plan. He wanted to rob banks. So basically, what he would do is, and this is, you know, I read this in a a newspaper, saw it on on, uh, the news. What he would do is he would go into the bank. He didn't have a a gun. He didn't want to use any firearm. He would write on a piece of paper that he has, um, he wants the teller to give him all the money. He has a gun. And... Just give me the money and I'm, you know, nothing bad is gonna happen. So he would pick out which teller he would go to. He, he wrote the piece, the note, he would hand it in and they would give him thousands of dollars. He would get the money, walk out calmly out of the bank and he would have like a cup of coffee. He would drink his cup of coffee in his, his, his truck and he would just stay there and the police would come by. They wouldn't think anything of it because he's drinking coffee, he's relaxed, he's in his car, and he would drive off. He did this 10 times. So he was uh, surprised, he was very successful for 10 banks. He he robbed 10 banks, and he was able to, you know, keep up this lie, this lie to his wife. And eventually he was caught, because obviously every criminal is gonna be caught. He had fingerprints on the, um, the note, and so the cops were able to use that And they were able to, um, so he went to prison. His wife was in shock. She had no idea. And everybody thought that she was lying. Like, how could you not know? Her neighbors thought she was lying. That her husband was a bank robber. He wasn't in the beginning, obviously. He transitioned to that after he he was in a financial crisis. And that's what he did. But you see, he lived a life of lies. He had so much pride. He didn't want to confess. The reality. But this Samaritan woman was humble. She acknowledged the truth. She didn't say, you know what, you're wrong to our Lord. You know, she didn't make up excuses. She just said, You're right. Right? She was not with her husband. She had several husbands. But our Lord saw past that sin. And he saw the value of her soul and her future conversion. And she had so much respect for our Lord. She saw that he didn't judge her, he didn't condemn, he didn't yell her, he valued her. That she was not something that was gonna just be, you know, thrown away because of her life of sin. He knew that sin does not define her. Sin does not define us. We are not defined by our struggle with sin. But the world tries to value sin as something that is a part of our identity, but it's not. Sin is not our identity. It's something that we fall into and we struggle with, but it's not our identity. Amen? And that's why we began Lent with ashes on our forehead. We said we are made by dust, and to dust we shall return. And I said the prayer, repent and believe in the gospel. So we see the contrast that we hate sin, not the sinner. God hates sin, but not the sinner. And that's what God calls us to realize, you know, to hate the sin, but not the sinner. And so Jesus valued her as a daughter of God and to experience that conversion. So when we think about humility, this is something that this, this Samaritan woman had, acknowledging the truth. I have a prayer, it's called the Litany of Humility. And Jesus says, you know, he said, I am, he is meek and humble of heart. So as a church family, I want us to say this prayer. It's a powerful prayer. We don't know who made the prayer. It's it's uncertain who is the the one who developed this prayer. But the response is going to be, deliver me, Jesus. Everyone can say. Deliver me, Jesus. Okay. From the desire of being esteemed. Deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me Jesus From the desire of being extolled, deliver me to Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver, deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being consulted deliver me Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, from Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being culminated, deliver me, me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me to Jesus. From the fear of being wrong, deliver me to Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me Jesus. So this transition of the litany, it says, is focusing on our relationship with each other. You know, this desire to be honored, praised, extolled, esteemed, preferred to others, right? All that is pride is a subtle pride we don't always realize, right? But Jesus is humility. He doesn't seek to be honored, to be praised, to be consulted, to be approved, to be preferred to others, right? Jesus has that humility where he wants to extol us. God who has everything, God lacks nothing, right? He has infinite wealth, treasure, power, Jesus, who is God, emptied himself and became a slave. Mm -hmm. According to St. Paul, right? Mm -hmm. He said slave. That's the word that was used. A slave. He emptied himself to become a slave. Meaning, our Lord humbled himself of his his power, his grandeur, by being worshipped and adored by thousands and thousands of angels. God was untouchable, became touchable, right? He, in his humility, thirsted for water. Jesus wasn't pretending to be thirsty. God didn't pretend to be hungry. Going into the desert, our Lord, in his humility, he goes into the desert, and he experienced hunger, right? Jesus didn't need to feel hungry, right? He could have just fed himself and never tasted the experience of being hungry. But yet Jesus, in His humility, identifies with all of us. Yeah. We've experienced hunger, may not maybe physical, right, but the hunger to be loved, right? Or to be embraced, the hunger to experience a relationship of friendship. So we experience that hunger. But Jesus experienced that hunger himself. When he was in the desert, he sacrificed being with our lady, his mother, being with the apostles. He sacrificed being consoled by people. He isolated himself. He experienced that emptying of himself so that Jesus can help us to realize he can't relate to sin. We're sinners. We all can relate to committing a sin. But Jesus can't relate to sinning. He can relate to being vulnerable. He can relate to being human like us and our being vulnerable, right, and our dependence on God's problems. So Jesus wants us to not have those desires, right, of, of competing with each other. But he also wants us to be free from the desire of being approved, from the, from the from fear of being approved, from fear of being despised, forgotten, ridiculed, wrong, so fear can also be a uh, pride, right? Who else always had uh, pride, right? We look at the devil, priests or exorcists. They say, why is the devil, why is Satan always afraid? Why does he have this fear? He's constantly humbled by God. God humbles Satan. He humbles the devil. He humiliates him. Because when he raised us up, we are conquerors of the devil through Christ and Christ. Amen? Every time we overcome temptation, we are humbling the devil who tempts us, right? Sometimes we tempt ourselves, but if the devil is tempting us, we humble the devil by overcoming temptation. So Jesus empowers us to grow, right? So we don't have to be afraid of being ridiculed or rebuked or or being wronged, suspected. So it's a sense of confidence that God is with us for us. So no no one can take anything from us, right? They can't take—someone can steal our peace or our dignity by trying to do X, Y, and Z, whatever, right? So there's no sense of being fearful. Fearful is being prideful, to be afraid, right? of being wrong, suspected, ridiculed, all these things. That's why in the litany it says, from the fear of being these things, deliver me, Jesus. So this is an accurate description of pride. It's a subtle pride, but it's pride. And then the, the prayer it ends with, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire. So we want to be empty of these desires, but then we will fill with, these desires that are holy that makes us more like Jesus, His the Sacred Heart of Jesus, His humility in Our Lady. So that others may be loved more than I. Repeat after me, Jesus. Jesus, grant, grant me the grace. The grace, the grace to desire. The others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me. The grace to desire. The grace to desire. That in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus. Jesus. Grant me Jesus. the grace, grace to desire. Of desire. The grace of desire. The others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus. Jesus. Grant, grant me, me. The grace to desire. The grace the others may be praised, and I go unnoticed. Jesus, Jesus, grant me, grant me, the grace to desire the grace of desire. The others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, Jesus, grant me, grant me, the grace to desire the grace of desire. The others may be holier than I, I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, Jesus. Grant me me, the grace to desire. desire. Amen. Amen. So, when we think about humility, it's not we think less of ourselves; it's that we think less about ourselves. Meaning that when we think about our Lord, when we think about ourselves in relation to Jesus, then we are on the right track, because. It's not that we go about not doing our best, not saying that we don't have gifts, that we don't have talents. It's not that, yes, we have gifts, we have talents. We are loved by the Lord. It's not putting ourselves down, right? It's putting ourselves up in the sense that we regard ourselves in a relationship with Christ. The the mind of Christ, the sacred heart of Jesus, he thought about us in the desert. He thought about his heavenly Father. Every time Jesus had thoughts moved in his sacred heart, he thought about doing the will of the Father. He wasn't saying, okay, I got to do my thing. My thing. What I want. His disposition was always towards service of his heavenly Father and of us. So it's this idea where it's not just me, myself, and I. Where we exclude God and we exclude each other. So in the heart of Jesus, he has humility. In the heart of Our Lady, she has humility. It's about our relationship with the Lord and our, ourselves. So it's living in truth. You know, we hear you know, the idea about a white lie. You know, we don't, people say a white lie, right? Something you say to not offend someone, not to hurt someone. But really, truth is humility. When we live in truth, we live in humility. So it's not about us trying to not offend each other, you know. But we want to be charitable, of course. We want to be considerate of each other's feelings win people over. At the same time, we want to live in truth. So Jesus is truth. And so Jesus spoke the truth to the Samaritan women. And the Samaritan women fell in love with the truth even though he pointed out her sin she fell in love with our lord he told her the truth she loved the truth so much so that she wanted to tell the truth to everyone she met in her humility she went from being a sinner to be an apostle Mm -hmm. a public sinner to be an apostle she was sent she went out to the town and she didn't care what people thought about her she told everyone i found Messiah. She was so happy. She had so much joy, so much love for the truth that she went out and she was willing to evangelize. Look, I found the Messiah. He's here. He's a Jew. And everybody followed her to Jesus. She became the instrument of God's grace, of God's mercy in her humility, right? Because of her humility, Jesus' humility attracted her to listen to the truth, fall in love with the truth, and then she went out and proclaimed the truth. And by doing so, everyone said, we believe not because you told us, but because we met Jesus, we met the truth incarnate. So Jesus calls us, right, during this time of fasting, what did you sacrifice? This is the third Sunday in Lent. What is it that you sacrifice for God for Jesus have you been faithful to that sacrifice if not you can confess your sins to our Lord like Lord I haven't been keeping up that sacrifice I made in the beginning of Lent but now I want to have a new beginning it's the third Sunday of Lent a new beginning that sacrifice you committed to do take it up again don't give up Don't give up making that sacrifice. Well, you know, it's too late, right? I already, I messed up. No. Pick up that sacrifice you committed to do for Jesus. You're doing it for him, right? Amen? We're doing it because he fasted in the desert. Amen? So our focus is, our intention is we're doing it for our Lord. We're not doing it for praise, for honor, acknowledgement, to show off to anyone else. We're doing it for our Lord. And our Lord Sees. Our Lord hears. Right? He sees everything. He hears everything. So whatever that commitment, that sacrifice you made, take it up again. Recommit yourself to make that sacrifice. Because when we do that, we humble ourselves. Jesus emptied himself to become like us. So when we sacrifice, we fast, whatever it is that you wanted to do, take it up again, right? For our Lord. And that's gonna humble ourselves by doing it. So whatever commitment you made to pray, you know, reading sacred scripture, the readings for maybe for daily mass. You say, okay, I'm gonna pray this prayer or meditate on this or that scripture passage. Take it up again. Yeah. Pray that prayer, say that meditation. Have a heart to heart talk with our Lord, yeah. right? So we wanna have an increase of fast, prayer and almsgiving. So if you haven't given to the poor, you haven't done any almsgiving to now, right? Give something to the poor. Make a sacrifice of whatever money you have to the poor. The three pillars are the same. I'm not saying something new because the church hasn't given us anything new. It's the same. In the beginning of prayer, when I said the the opening prayer, I mentioned prayer, almsgiving, fasting. You hear in the readings the same thing. So there's nothing new under the sun. I'm just the messenger, just like all of us. The message is the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? So Jesus is the same, and we're called to constantly turn our lives to be more like Jesus. So whatever commitment you made, prayer, that sacrifice, fasting, almsgiving, whatever it is, recommit yourself to that which you committed to our our Lord. You know, that's what our Lord calls us to do during Lent. We humble ourselves so our Lord lifts us up. Right? The Samaritan woman, she was lifted up. The apostles were fishermen and they were lifted up. Right? Jesus lifts us up. Peter denied our Lord three times. He chose him to be the Pope. He fell into sin. He repented. He reaped for his sin, he confessed his sin, he came right back, right? Jesus welcomed him back, and he lifted him up. So when we humble ourselves, the Lord lifts us up. We humble ourselves There's space for God's grace. Amen? Amen? So this is what our Lord calls us to do. You know, if maybe praying the prayer to lead me to humility. Maybe ask our Lord to say, Lord, give me a heart that is humble. Give me a heart that thinks more of you and less of me. More of how to serve you in our need. When we do these things, we are really following Christ, right? On this journey of faith, we're following Christ as a church family. We're allowing Christ to reveal himself to us. You know, yesterday was a, a retreat for, for men. And I know the women's conference is like, you know, in October, or, and there's always that... Our Lady Chester Shrine. But yesterday they had the Retreat for Men. And the theme was Man Up, you know, Man Up Filling. And they had different talks, and they talk about, you know, living a life of virtue, of faith. But really, you know, we're all called to step up, right? Step up in following Christ. And it's so hard, right? Because the cross that God gives us, that's really what helps us to grow humility. So fasting, prayer, almsgiving, all these things are like things that we can do during Lent. But every one of us has a cross that God sends us. He gives us a cross, right? Right. It could be maybe a friend, maybe a colleague, maybe a spouse, maybe anyone or anything that you can think of that's happening in your life. Maybe you're you're experiencing financial difficulties. There's so many ways to experience a cross. But you know what those crosses are. And the Lord knows what that cross is. But that cross that we have, if we accept it, we grow in humility. When we meditate on the passion of Christ, the stations of the cross, if you haven't prayed the stations of the cross yet, I would recommend praying the stations of the cross. That's another way to grow in humility. Because when we look at the passion of Christ, Jesus being scourged, crowned with thorns, that is humiliating, right? Jesus is on the cross, and he's barely clothed. He's wounded physically. He was spit upon, right? He was beaten in so many ways. That is humiliation, right, for our Lord to experience. When we experience the humility of Christ in his passion, it makes us think less of ourselves in terms of our cross. Because every one of us, when we look at our cross, we're like, wow, it's huge. Is, is so heavy, it's so large. And I'm not saying that it isn't, but when we compare it to Christ's cross, we can say like, wow, it's not as big as our Lord's, right? It may, in our opinions, look bigger than this or that person. But when we experience it for ourselves, when we look at the cross of Christ and his passion. It helps us to release us from thinking about ourselves, right? Because whenever we suffer, it makes us think more about ourselves. And it's natural, right? It's, we all do it. We think more of ourselves when we're suffering. But when we look at the passion of Christ, it draws us out of ourselves to see, wow, the humility of our Lord. He didn't need to suffer, but he chose to suffer in the most painful, graphic way. Yeah. And he did that to show us that way, the length and the depth of his love for us. Yeah. Passion. Yeah. Why do we say passion? Right? We think about passion, you think about you know, sports, or a musician, or artist, passion. Someone that's passionate about something that they can do, that they can accomplish. We say, they're passionate about it, right? But Jesus, we say the passion of Christ, the stations, is focused on the passion. It's on his love for us, despite our sin. So Jesus, at the cross, he says, I thirst. I thirst. Right? It's not a physical thirst, even though He says, I thirst. It wasn't simply physical. It was deeper than a physical thirst. Jesus is saying he desires us to have faith in him, in his goodness. The goodness of God, amen? Amen. The goodness of God is something we're tempted to doubt. It's something we're tempted to not believe is real. His goodness, when we have a cross, like, does our Lord really love me if I have this cross? Right? Does he really... Is he really with me? Is he really loves me? Yeah. You know, he it seemed like he loves this person because they don't have that cross. Yeah. Why does this person not have the cross that I have? We're tempted to have these thoughts, right? But the thoughts are lies. Yeah. They're not truth. The truth is that our Lord loves us as we are, and yet he wants to purify us from our sin. And yet he wants to draw us out from ourselves to think of his passion, to think of his love for us. So the cross is a gift and a blessing and a grace. It's a mystery because it's hard for us to see that as a gift, as a grace, as a blessing. We struggle with that, every one of us. But that's only without looking at faith. But the more we meditate on the passion of Christ the easier. That's the secret that the saints have always mentioned. They said, okay focus on the passion of Christ. When we focus on it, it becomes easier to accept the cross. It becomes easier to embrace it and to accept it as a sign of God's favor for us, as a sign of his love for us. Because if Jesus experienced the passion and God the Father didn't remove it, you know, he didn't take away the passion, the cup that he drank, he didn't remove it, then the God the Father loves our Lord, then he loves us to see ourselves in Christ because everyone wants to come to Jesus at the table, at the feast, but no one wants to go with him at Calvary. We all want to be at the feast where we party with our Lord, but we don't want to necessarily be at Calvary where we suffer with him, but the only one who suffer with him can feast with him, and so we do this as a church family. As we ask the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me a spirit of humility. Help me to to accept my cross, to embrace my cross, to even love my cross for the sake of Christ. Then and only then, we are growing in humility and we allow the meek and humble heart of Christ to be present to us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.